The Late Seating Podcast is brought to you by The Finch Files, stories from San Francisco and beyond. In The Finch Files, longtime radio reporter Peter Finch and his friends hit the streets of the San Francisco Bay Area looking for interesting stories to tell. The Finch Files is available on the internet as a podcast. Just go to finchfiles.net and voila, you're there. Or you could go to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or MixCloud and search for Peter Finch. The Finch Files, stories from San Francisco and beyond. Another podcast that we'd like you guys to check out is The Tiny Show, the show about nothing and everything at the same time, with three grown men, Doug, Pet, and Tyler, saying, I am Batman more than the Dark Knight himself. It's a comedy show to help you relax on the way to work or the drive home. You can find The Tiny Show on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash the dash tiny dash show or just go to soundcloud and search for the tiny show hello everyone and welcome to late seating i am jason harding and i am steve shives and on this show for better or worse, we take a classic movie, a, a pop-culturally significant film that is either praised for its wonderfulness or um, reviled for its revulsionness. I make up words. Anyway, <laughs> this time around, we're going to take a look at what could possibly be the most accurate depiction of the South ever put to screen. I am talking, of course... About the classic film, Gone with the Wind. <laughs> ah, yes. Just give me a second. I just finished watching this film. I felt horrible saying the words out loud. I don't... Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it was a four-hour movie. It's four hours. If you've never seen Gone with the Wind, don't plan anything. Don't, you know, you, you have to set aside four goddamn hours to watch this movie. <laughs> Uh, Steve, you watched it recently, right? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Mm. I actually took a break in the middle, though. The, the, the filmmakers are kind enough to provide us with a lengthy intermission. Uh, so I took advantage of that and, and went to the grocery store. Yeah, I, I watched it on my, on my Kindle, so I did my laundry. I took a big dump. <laughs> I <laughs> cleaned the kitchen. And I actually sat down and did watch and managed to uh, take notes when... Uh, I was not gritting my teeth to the point which they were going to break. <laughs> it's a tradition now. I have to ruin my own review before we actually start doing the plot synopsis for this movie. Hey, I know. Let, let's nip this right in the bud and go directly to the uh, credits. How about that? How about that, Steve? <laughs> we'll just skip. Yeah, I, we'll skip my my outward hatred towards this movie and just skip right to the other part so that way I don't ruin the review. Everyone ignore what I just said about the hatred part. You don't know. I could love it. I could yes. love this movie. The you guys R- have listened to enough of these to know that Gone with the Wind may right be it may be the perfect movie for me. You it's an know. old movie. It's an old movie. You like old it's movies. It's an old movie, that's right. I'm the old guy who likes old things. So maybe I love this movie. I did. This is my idea to watch this movie. It's it's a sweeping romantic Hollywood epic. You love it. I wish those. someone would sweep this out of Hollywood history. Oh, now see that's that kind of gives it away. I don't care! When you say things like that. <laughs> Everyone skip to uh, wherever the point mark. I don't know. 
They don't. They they come here to listen to me gripe. <laughs> uh, all right, here we go. Here are the people responsible for this pile of shit. Uh, I'm sorry for this cinematic gem. This milestone of American film. This uh, this touchstone of awfulness in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay because I can tell that you're trying, and that's what's I'm most important. I'm trying really hard. I really am. But so there's a goblin in my brain that really doesn't <laughs> like it when I watch a bad movie that just insults all of my sensibilities. <laughs> Takes over my mouth. Um, here we go. Seriously, this time. Credits, Gone with the Wind, directed by Victor Fleming. Although, this movie went through like nine different directors. Yeah, there were a few. Um, produced by David Oselznik. Shame on you. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Reserving judgment. Screenplay. Mm. Screenplay by Sidney Howard. Good job, Sidney. Based on the book. Gone with the Wind by Margaret Mitchell. Did you ever read the book, Steve? I have not read the book, no. Neither have I. Um, hmm. I, is it supposed to be a classic of literature? Is it, I it's not, guess. It hasn't become required reading, has it? <laughs> I get the impression it's kind of like the the book version of The Godfather. Like, it's been so, it's been so far <laughs> surpassed by the film that most people just don't even bother with it. Well, one of the complaints about this movie was how, um, how closely it hung on to the book. And then one of the reasons why it's so long and it's four hours long is that they were very slavish to the yeah. book. Oh, I said that word. Well, unlike the filmmakers, you didn't do it intentionally. No, it was a slip of the tongue. Um, yeah, except for one key thing. There's one key thing that's different that when we get to it in the plot synopsis, I'll bring it up then. Okay. Starring people that I normally like... <laughs> Clark Gable, Vivian Lee, Leslie Howard, and Olivia de Havilland are the only ones worth mentioning. Also, a shit ton of character actors doing bad accents. Um, music by Max Steiner. Cinematography by Ernest Haller. Edited by Hal C. Ken and James E. Newcomb. It was produced by the Selznick International Pictures in Metro Golden Mayor, distributed by Lowe's. It was released on December 15th, 1939, at an Atlanta premiere. It runs 221 minutes normally, but with the overture, the intermission, and the outreture, or whatever they call the out, getting out of the fucking theater music. Um, <laughs> It's anywhere from two, 234 minutes to 238 minutes long. And, and it goes by really fast. And all of those, the intermission and the overture, all thoughtfully preserved for the home viewer. <laughs> Thanks, Hollywood! You couldn't find the missing five minutes to Metropolis, but we have this thing preserved in pristine Technicolor. <laughs> and all the music's there. It was budgeted in three... Yeah, go for it. I was going to say, in, in case you you want to get up and go to the bathroom while you're watching it at your house, but for some reason you don't want to just pause the movie, the lengthy intermission is included. <laughs> yeah, there's a lengthy intermission. Oh, and also, it's so repetitive, you won't be missing anything. <laughs> yeah, just, really. just go. Just go pee. Yeah. Take your time. Just go ahead and go. 
you'll come back and they'll say, did I miss anything? And it was like, oh, um, Scarlett was conflicted about uh, who she wanted to be with, and uh, she had some scheme to get... Uh, to get uh, what's his bumblefuck whatever his name is um, <laughs> the best part I of- literally just watched this movie Ashley Ashley yeah. Beck and he didn't want her because he's in something the, Didn't that happened fifteen times already. Yeah. <laughs> the best part of the uh, of that is you could get up and leave and come back and ask the person who was watching it with you okay what happened while I was gone and they could okay, say. No. And, and 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 they could say, oh, Scarlett's husband died, and that could oh. be referring to like three different parts <laughs> three of the different movie. People. Of course, they'd have to remove the gun out of their mouth as they attempt suicide. <laughs> no, first, but yeah, I told leave you, people alone to watch this. Part <laughs> I told you not to leave me alone with Gone with the Wind because I fairly could, uh, something happens when you watch it alone. You start thinking that it's never going to end. Yeah. That it's it's an interminable loop of a film. <laughs> Time becomes an abyss. <laughs> It was budgeted at three point eight five million, which was a ton of money back then. It was the one of the first big epic films, big color epic films, um, and it made three hundred ninety million dollars, which was uh, all the money that existed in the world at the time. I guess <laughs> it was a lot of money. It made a lot of money, so it was. A smash bang hit. It was the Star Wars of 1939. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're now going to do a plot synopsis of it. So pack a lunch, folks. Because at home. I did something wrong in a past life where I have ideas like this. <laughs> <laughs> do it, Steve. You start because I don't. I can't. Okay. I don't. Yeah. I don't want to even mention the opening crawl to this film because it just, it, boy, it just punches you right in the vein. It just punches you. Hey, guess what? Are you an all liberal? Do you have any knowledge of the history of the United States, the Civil War period in general, and slaveholding South? If you do, the very first opening crawl with with the stuff at the beginning, they just they just want to make sure that the first punch really breaks your nose and knocks a couple of your teeth out. So please, Steve, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, tell tell let us let, let tell us what they want us to know okay. before we start watching the film at the beginning. If you can remember it, because um, I got this kind of red mist haze that went over my eyesight when I started reading it. <laughs> uh, I'm actually looking up what it. Well, I'm I'm looking up a quote of it. Oh, okay. Cause, cause I'll I vamp. Will, I will. I I will read it. Uh, I, I, now, okay. when you first start watching this movie, you might be thinking, huh, is this Song of the South? No, it's not. They look kind of similar at the beginning openings. And I know a lot of people actually have not seen Song of the South, because unlike the people who made this movie, Disney apparently is a little embarrassed about that film. <laughs> well, yeah, the uh, it, I, it, it's actually... Um... When, when you Google it, it comes up as Gone with the Wind opening poem, which is a little funny. No, it doesn't it's rhyme. Not, it's not a poem. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I, I can't, I can't find a, an exact transcription of it, it. But, but just it's, it's basically, yeah, the, the gist of it is, and it, we get the opening title where it's like the, the title of the film in letters filling the screen, blowing past, scrolling to the side as though the yeah. title itself is being blown With little by. movement marks. <laughs> yes, yes, like it's like, <laughs> like it's a comic you know, drawn by a six-year-old. When you dr- yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then we get the, uh, the, the opening crawl, mm-hmm. which is like the opening crawl for Star Wars, if Star Wars was super racist, 
Oh, you um, mean like Phantom Menace? Yeah. Oh, shit! <laughs> but on Exactly. Um, <laughs> never forget. Um, <laughs> and the opening crawl sets the tone for the movie, which is, it, it talks about, oh, this film takes place in a, 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 a lost world, a bygone era where... <laughs> where there are dinosaurs. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> dinosaurs who... They say who, it's a bygone era of gallantry yes. and chivalry. And uh, there's a, a very strongly wistful, nostalgic tone, mm-hmm. which which becomes really troubling when it gets to the part where the crawl says, uh, like, basically, this was the last time we would ever see the days of gentlemen and ladies. Okay, that sounds... There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And, and master and slave. Um, and then you're like, what? Well, goody, this is a nostalgia film about slave ownership. <laughs> and then, like, right after that, there's a line in the crawl that says something like, you know, they all of these things would soon be gone forever. And the question that is left dangling to the modern viewer is, and that's good, right? <laughs> Because they didn't sound- put that in there. If they had put that in there, that would make this a better movie. But that's not. That question isn't even implied. It's like it sounds like the movie doesn't think it's good that those <laughs> no, things are they, gone. And they make sure that we know that because they made the movie. We've seen it and we know what they're talking. Yeah. They're like, oh wow, this is such a great time if you're yeah. rich and white. Landowning white person. The good old days, eh, friends? Yeah. So that that's actually, you know what? I take that. I take that back because remember, every slave that we meet is also happy. Oh, super happy. Even even the ones who we see, who we catch incredibly brief glimpses of, that actually are working in the fields. Which, if those had been real people, they would be sweating and breaking their backs and working themselves to death. But even they seem really happy and chipper. Hey, it's quitting time, everybody. Oh, isn't Uh that nice? See, slavery wasn't so bad. Oh. No. And 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 I'm not joking. It literally does start uh, right off the bat with what... uh, as far as I can tell, our slavery. This is like a slavery apologetics film. This is like yeah. this is like a a a you know. If you've ever talked to someone who has this kind of romanticized version of the South, it's like they stole everything that they saw in Gone with the Wind, and they're using it as their own personal philosophy. Yeah, it's like oh, there was nothing wrong. Yeah, they they enjoyed working on, uh, as slaves, and quite honestly, if they weren't slaves, they wouldn't know what to do with themselves because they're dumb and they don't know how to take care of themselves. They're little children that we have to take care of, and blah 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 blah. Steve, I am starting to become very angry again. <laughs> it's, it's let's uh, do the plot. Let's stick to the plot. Let's, let's stick to the plot. Let's stick to the plot. Let's Let's, let's summarize the plot of Gone with the Wind, or as Old South apologists refer to it, that documentary. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, we meet, we, a- after the opening crawl and all that stuff, yeah. uh, we, we meet the, the hero of the piece, uh, formally, technically, the hero of the piece, uh, mm-hmm. who is, of course, Scarlett O'Hara, played by Vivian Lee. Um, yeah. And we open with her sitting on the front porch of the main the main mansion of Terra, the plantation that her yeah. family owns. 
cotton uh, plantation. Yeah, yeah, big time. And mm-hmm. uh, and she's surrounded. She she has two young men who are sort of courting her. One of whom is Superman, by the way, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing cool in this movie. These are the these are the places your mind is forced to go. You're like, oh, it, oh look, there's Superman. Um, he traveled all the way here from Smallville to meet with Scarlet. Stop. Anyway. Stop injecting Superman into everything right. we review. That's true. You know, the, the story of George Reeves is tragic enough without reminding everyone that he also starred in Gone with the Wind. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so, yeah, and, and the, they're, they're talking about there's going to be this big barbecue uh, coming up uh, the next day or relatively soon at, at a neighboring plantation called Twelve Oaks. Uh, and. 12 Oaks. Twelve Oaks is owned by the Wilkes family, and we learn yeah. that Scarlet has a major thing for Ashley Wilkes, one of That's the right. one of the sons. Ashley, Ashley Wilkes, uh, good old fashioned Georgia gentry, who yeah. talks like he's from a British goddamn boarding school. Yes, exactly. Oh, Scarlet. <laughs> oh, Scarlet. Oh, toodly pip! I must rush <laughs> off and join my fellow brethren. Yeah, he even in fighting the dastardly northern aggressors. He even rolls his R's, which is like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Great attempt there. Way to way to go there. Yeah, Leslie Clark good Gable's job. Clark Clark Gable standing next to him, going, "Shit, I don't feel so bad for Clark not Gable even attempting even to affect an accent." <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm yeah. I'm Rhett Butler from North Carolina. <laughs> and what we quickly establish on Tara is that she has two parents. One is the father, who's Irish, and the mother, who uh, is not, and her two sisters. Um, we established that the uh, what is it? The team leader, the the the, the guy. Who yeah, the, the I, I think the name? overseer. The overseer, yeah. who they keep referring to as white trash. Because yep. no one escapes unscathed in this one. <laughs> Apparently got some woman pregnant and something. I don't The baby know. died. Yeah, the baby died. Just to yeah. establish that this guy's a scumbag because he comes back later on. Um, and Ashley is going to be married to his cousin, Melanie. And uh, they're going to announce it at this barbecue at Ashley's home at Twelve Oaks. And uh, so... Then we go there, right? Oh, well, 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 Scarlet don't like that. Yeah, let's also put put it this way: Scarlet is um, a thirteen year old child. Yeah, not not physically, mentally. Yeah, and does not change at all for the entire movie. (laughs) She is a selfish, self absorbed, bratty, spoiled, awful, awful person who you would not want to know in real life. And this is the person who we're going to follow for four hours. Four of them. So if you don't like her in the first ten minutes, turn the movie off. Because <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't get, get any better. better. Yeah. She just does worse things. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Her her arc doesn't go, like, up. It goes no. straight down. Yeah. <laughs> There's a couple of times where she kind of gets bummed out or whatever, but it's never yeah. for good reasons. It's always for, you know very selfish reasons so they go to 12 oaks and um of course she is very upset that ashley is going to get married and she runs up to ashley and she says hey ashley um i love you is that does she say i love you uh yeah pretty uh, yeah they they she basically well first she flirts with him in front of melanie yeah, and then she decides to flirt with uh, Melanie's brother, I guess, mm-hmm. to make him jealous. 
and Milksop or whatever his name. Yeah, is. and it can, yeah, exactly. And he's like, <gasps> <gasps> I feel funny in my underwear area. Pretty, pretty girls talking to me. <laughs> I love you, marry me right but now, which is almost literally conf- what he says. Yeah, but she confronts Ashley, and she says, hey, I want your boner. And he's like, no, my boner is for Melanie because we're better suited. And she, of course, gets upset. Mm-hmm. But um, someone has overheard this entire oh, yes. conversation. That and charming rogue. Fuck <laughs> it, he's not a charming rogue. I saw this whole movie. <laughs> Red Butler who's got a mustache and he's dashing and he's he looks like he's 45 years old <laughs> and yes he's, yeah, uh, he's heard everything and he kind of ribs her a little bit um, and uh, the barbecue gets disrupted because oh hey guess what the, it's been mentioned a couple of times about going to war with the north that kind of thing yeah uh, well I guess it's happening <laughs> and everyone's rushing off to go enlist and this is treated like a great big yeehaw yay we're gonna teach them Yankees gallantry blah 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 <laughs> and Scarlet watches as Ashley kisses Melanie goodbye and she's like oh no he didn't and then he turns to Charles who's like huh your girl will you marry me before you leave and she's like yes because that's what people do I guess out yeah. of spite she agrees to marry Charles they get married in the most depressing <laughs> <laughs> where they declare him the man and wife and she just starts bawling just bawling at, on the altar and I guess it's okay for Charles I don't know if they even consummated their wedding no because immediately we get a letter <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, there are a lot of letters in this movie. There's like five or six letters where instead of doing dialogue, they just show a letter that's been written to somebody. Yeah. Funny thing is, all of the letters are in the same handwriting, <laughs> no matter who they're from. They're it's, all in the same damn handwriting. Whoever is writing those letters, I mean, is really the engine that drives the plot of this film. <laughs> <laughs> but she gets a letter that says, oh, hey, you know that dude you married out of spite? Uh, yeah, he died of pneumonia and rickets or something. Pneumonia and measles. He got pneumonia and measles while serving in the Confederate Army. <laughs> and I like there's even a little there's even a little line at the beginning of that letter, if you notice, where uh, the the anonymous writer letter letter writer says, uh, "Hey, you know, basically they can't all die like heroes. <laughs> not everybody. It is not given to everyone to die a heroic death. Sometimes Your guy died in die pneumonia. Like milk sops. He yeah. died screaming and crying, <laughs> he, he, wanting his mom. He peed his pants. I think he would have wanted <laughs> you to know that. <laughs> he peed his pants. <laughs> he suffered from delirium. He stripped naked. He tried to hump one of the horses, but he died a Confederate hero. Let's not forget that. Yes. And Scarlet, of course, is relieved, <laughs> she, and she's she, pissed off that she has to wear black. Yep. <laughs> because society says you're in mourning and she's like but I didn't like him and I don't, don't want to dance and have fun and so oh Scarlet <laughs> Scarlet's mom sends her to the Hamilton home in Atlanta because literally she is upset that she wants to have fun she's, that's what, she's not upset that her husband died she's upset because she wants to dance and have fun and her mom says oh I'll cheer you up Go to Hamilton, and um, and you can go there and 
stay with them and, and, and stuff. And Scarlet's like, if I go there, when Ashley is on leave, he'll come and visit me and then I'll see him again because I'm in love with him. They've never established what the big draw is with Ashley. No. No, and no, there, and 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 there is none evident on screen. He is not. No, he's not a compelling character at all. Yeah, we know that they all grew up together, which explains why he has such a strong southern accent. Yeah, he's a son of the South, man. Come on, <laughs> he's a son of South London, um, <laughs> son of Southampton. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. They go and it, to this charity bazaar? Yeah, they go to the charity. Like, it's a fundraiser for the army, I guess, right? For the, mm. the Confederate army. Uh, because the South uh, very prudently decided to declare war on the North without any supplies. Yeah. <laughs> they said, fuck it. We don't, we, don't have, we, don't, we don't have factories or railroads or really anything we no. would need. So let's go to war with the, the half of the country that has all of that shit. <laughs> so then they're like, "Oh well, shit, we need some money. Let's have a fundraiser." And that this is where yeah. she encounters uh, Rhett for the second time. Yeah, because who's been a blockade runner? Yeah, to the Confederacy, he's been running wool and stuff. Yeah, and uh, they concoct this scheme where if you bid, if you bid on someone for money for on a woman, you can dance with them. And this movie has the gall to have some old women. Go, oh, I won't have them bidding on our daughters like they're slaves. Fuck you, movie. Fuck you. I haven't said it enough yet, but fuck you. I hate you, movie. What is it with Southerners and bidding on people? I don't know. Just but stop doing, doing that altogether. <laughs> they'll, they'll, <laughs> they will bid on white people if it comes to that. They just and, like to bid on people. <laughs> and despite the fact that it's frowned on in society because she's supposed to be in mourning and a widow or whatever fucking shit they just made up, um, <laughs> uh, Rhett goes, I'll pay $25 to dance with the widow, whatever her last name is now, yeah. with Scarlet. And she goes, I'll do it because she just wants to dance and have fun. And then they dance together. Isn't that great? <laughs> Because dancing and having fun is what Rhett Butler's uh -huh. all about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then Ashley shows up and she tries to bone him again. She's like... <laughs> like immediately. He's, he's visiting at Christmas on a furlough. And they share a private and passionate kiss, you know, in the in the parlor on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day just before he, he goes back to work. So, uh, yeah, that happened. Uh, he doesn't leave his wife or anything like that. And by the way, his wife... Is pretty awesome. She's like just, a saint. Just, she is, yeah. She is. If you, compare and contrast the Melanie to freaking Scarlet, oh and God. you're wondering why the hell people are breaking themselves for Scarlet. I mean, she's pretty. She's a pretty person. Yeah. Uh, but um, her soul seems to be made out of garbage and dead children, as near <laughs> as I can tell. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, exactly. And and Melanie is is almost so good that mm -hmm. it, it seems like at times it almost seems like a joke. Like they're making her too too moral and too compassionate cuz she she puts up with yeah. all she puts up with all of Scarlet's shit. She mm -hmm. like volunteers at a hospital. You yep. know, she 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 is a major figure at this fundraiser thing. Like she's just endlessly selfless and giving and forgiving mm -hmm. and non-judgmental and sweet and it's like what the fuck? 
<laughs> like there, you keep it's a, you keep waiting for the other shoe to drop, and it never does. She she is a saint for the entire movie. <sighs> so, eight months later, the city is being besieged uh, by the Union army in the Atlanta campaign. That's Sherman. Sherman's come for a little rompy stompy. He's come <laughs> to basically burn Atlanta to the ground. Um, and is this the scene where everyone's gathered um, because they're all they're, we get another uh, uh, another little title thing that tells us that everyone's waiting to find out the results of Gettysburg. Right? Yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. And this is where they pass out the the casualty the, list. The, the casualty list, yeah. and they keep showing, and they do this close up where it says killed, 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 and all these southern people are 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 upset. Um, because they lost Gettysburg and lots of people died, and and Scarlet and Melanie are looking desperately to make sure that Ashley Wilkes' name isn't amongst the dead, and it's not. And they're like, "Oh, thank goodness!" But other people have lost people, and we're supposed to feel sorry for these Southerners because all these Southerners killed. They're leaving out the part that an equal number of Northern people died during Gettysburg. But you know, if, if unless we haven't covered it yet, this movie clearly lets all of us know. That Northerners suck. Yep. <laughs> We're evil, awful, nasty, uh, mongrel people who <laughs> who have, are trying to enslave the South like they enslaved people. Yep. So, yeah, there is not a positive characterization of a Northerner in this movie, period, full stop. Except maybe the jailer. Yeah, maybe. That's later he, on. In the he movie. seems like he at least seems kind of affable. He's neutral. <laughs> yeah. How's that? He, he, he's not dripping with evil. Uh-huh. So that's that's we'll take it. Okay, so um, now we get to the scene where um, Prissy, who is uh, one of the servants from Terra who traveled with Scarlet to Atlanta has to deliver Melanie's baby without any medical assistant because uh, Melanie has gone into premature labor. And um, we get fantastic scenes of Scarlet hitting Prissy in the face. Yep. (laughs) Because Prissy um, admits that she doesn't know anything about assisting a woman to give birth. I refuse to say the line that they gave this woman to say. Yeah. I yeah. am not saying it. It's it's one of it's probably the second or third most quotable line of dialogue from the movie, so if you don't know it, it's easy to find. Yeah. It. But it's also one of those lines that clearly uh denigrates yeah. the character and um I just it, it's one of the, it's one of those lines that I really wish had not become a catchphrase yeah. ever in anything. It it pertains to Prissy's lack of knowledge in the delivering of human children. <laughs> I think I covered that Let's already. Just put it that way. <laughs> uh so somehow the baby is born and Scarlet finds Rhett to take her home to Tara with Melanie and her baby and Prissy. Who continues to, uh, unless we haven't covered this, Prissy is a slave. Mm-hmm. And um, she is portrayed as not very smart, arrogant, a liar, <laughs> <laughs> and a coward. Um, and so they're all going to get in a horse and wagon and um, t- 
try to get out of the city because now the city is burning down to the ground. And this is, was one of the things, one of the reasons why people went to go see the damn movie was the burning of Atlanta because yeah. that's the big spectacle. Um, I wish I could tell you that the special effects of Atlanta burning to the ground hold up. They don't. <laughs> There's a couple of boxes of dynamite that obviously look like a child made them because they're <laughs> scale. I don't know why they had to cut away to a, a picture of... Uh, models of boxes when you could just buy a box and write dynamite on it. I don't understand why we cut to that. There are a couple of weird special effect shots in the in the dance hall scene earlier when they were doing with the charity bazaar. One of the guys walks up and makes an announcement and it's very clear that he is walking up in front of a projection. Yeah. There are a couple shots like that. Yeah, where it's and like I they figure out, they were yeah. trying to fix things. It's like they 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 realized late in the process that they were missing a shot, so they had to kind oh, of scramble. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh shit! So uh, surprise, surprise, they make it out of the city, and as soon as they're out of the city, Rhett goes, "Hey, um, I'm leaving you. You can make it home on your own." Um, I'm going to go off and uh, join the army, join the southern army and fight these Yankee bastards, these these monsters from the north, these oppressors, these awful people. And, of course, she's like, no, don't leave me. How can I? Oh, I hate you. Blah, 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 blah. And he's like, whatever. And then he leaves. Yeah, he's like, whatever. <laughs> goodbye, Scarlet. Yeah, goodbye. And Scarlet returns home to find Tara deserted. Oh. <gasps> Except for her parents and her sisters and two servants. And I'm not going to call them servants anymore. I'm going to call them what they are. Two slaves. Yep. Mammy and pork. <laughs> yeah. Just fucking shoot me in the face. <laughs> can you do that, please? I don't know if I can make it to the end of this. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Scarlet yeah. gets home and she learns that her mom has just died of typhoid fever. And her dad has gone loopy. <laughs> <laughs> like, for real, around the bend, loopy. Like, yeah, he's like, oh, toe, it's tight, Oh, my I dead wife is still alive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that Tara has been pillaged by Union troops, and the fields have been untended, and everything's just falling apart, and there's no food. And oh, the oh, why did the North have to come down and wreck everything? I just don't understand it. <laughs> and then Scarlet goes out to the field and tries to eat a carrot. I don't yeah. know what she I, digs out of the I ground. I think it was. Uh, it looks like a carrot. I think it might have been meant to be a radish because I think okay. that's what Mammy said. Mammy says that the only thing they have left now is radishes. Right. So I think maybe it was something like that. But, and yeah. while she's out there, she declares to nobody <laughs> that is with God is her witness I guess to God then yeah. if God is my witness I will never go hungry again intermission <laughs> music swells now, fade out oh shit movie's only half over <laughs> yeah that that intermission is an hour and how long is it? An hour and forty minutes? An uh, yeah. hour, almost two hours? Into yeah, the film? pretty much. It's yeah. That is a movie all by itself. Yep. Okay. Movie's not over yet. Nope. Not even close. So if you were starting to feel like, you know what? I always wanted to know what it would be like to strangle myself in a movie theater. It's probably time for you to go home and find something that you'll I don't want to watch. 
<laughs> because it's just more. Just it get gets out. Worse. Just get they out. Double down on all the awful that you saw before gets worse in the second in in part two. So while you're sitting there and you let's hopefully you've relieved your bladder, you've gotten yourself some more popcorn or some soda or whatever. Um, you're trying to wash the stench of racist apologetics off of your hands and clothes and hair. You've burned the clothes you're wearing because you feel filthy having watched this movie. <laughs> you're in your brand new clothes. You're ready to sit down and watch the second half of this movie. Just be ready because it's going to... Remember how I said it punched you right in the face at the beginning of the first part? <laughs> this time they'd hit you with a goddamn car. Okay? <laughs> So where do we start? Well, another another scroll. Yeah, there's a yeah, yeah. There's another another title. Yeah, in which we find out that oh, the North won and everything's awful, and oh yeah, there now now the the South has to face an enemy even worse than the North. Black people with money. I'm, I'm just gonna say it. They say carpetbaggers in the title scroll. Uh uh-uh. uh It's free black people is what they mean. Yeah. Remember that they show a guy singing and he's happy. He's wearing clothes and <laughs> what the hell? Out of they go out of their way to let you know that free black people are the worst. Yep. <laughs> and they don't stop. They just when you think, okay, we've we've been on a pretty good time, at least twenty twenty five minutes without uh, without it insulting me or insulting history. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> And not just not just black just not not just black Americans or former slaves, northern people yeah. are awful, horrible people. How dare they? <laughs> How dare these people from the north with money come down here and rebuild our civilization? <laughs> How dare they? <laughs> so uh, turns out Scarlet has um, had her family and servants. Um, they've put them to work in the cotton fields. Um, and they've faced a lot of hardships. Um, <laughs> yeah, they had to do the same things their slaves had been doing. Yeah, in fact, her father makes sure to tell her, "Hey, you know what? You you don't be so hard on 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 the slaves." And this is the line, especially the darkies. Yeah, it, it that's the closest thing to a humanitarian voice in this movie is when her insane father says to her, could you maybe treat the black people a little bit less like garbage? And then what I can only imagine is a moment of clarity. What happens? Remember that that white trash at the beginning of the movie that that I mentioned? He's back. And it turns out he's he's married to some kind of trashy woman. And he is um, colluding with the reconstructionists from Mm -hmm. the north that have come down. And uh, they're taxing everybody, and it's just awful, awful. These poor, poor, poor landed gentry yes. <laughs> who, who who are now having to work for a living. And, you know, at no point do any of these people go, I don't know how these slaves did this all the time without ever getting paid. Yeah. No, that doesn't ever cross their goddamn mind. <laughs> no lessons are learned at all. <laughs> but there sure is a lot of complaining. Yeah. Um. And uh, the the war is over. Remember, the war is ended. Someone runs in and says, the war is over. Yay. Yeah. We lost. Oh. Anyway, the old former boss master or whatever it is shows up and he says, hey, I've, I came here to offer you money for Terra because I know you're not going to be able to afford the taxes on it. 
Um, I'm evil. And he gets in a fight with Scarlet, and he rides off. And I guess Scarlet's dad figures, well, I don't want to be in this movie anymore. And he jumps onto a horse to chase after the buggy as it's riding away. And this is uh, the first of two death by horse (laughs) scenes. Where the horse tries to jump over a hedge and, and throws him and he lands on the ground and he's dead. So now Scarlet has lost her father. And, um... What does she do she, then? Well, she... Oh, she goes She goes to Atlanta. Yeah. She goes, she's she, like, she goes to see Rhett first. Yeah, first, well, first, she has... She has Mammy make a dress out of curtains so that she has something presentable to wear. And then she goes down and Rhett's in being held by Union soldiers for some reason. Except he's not he's not suffering. He's like playing cards with them and stuff like that. At which point I was like, hey, can we see a shot of uh, of how you guys housed Yankee prisoners during the war? <laughs> yeah, really. Can we see shots of that? Can we, you know? You don't want to show us how you treated Yankee prisoners of war? You sons of bitches! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, everybody loves Red. He's just the life of the party. So Scarlet, Scarlet shows yes, up. Yes, you her- keep going, Steve. Scarlet. <laughs> anyway, Scarlet shows up and she's like, "I'll fuck you for three hundred dollars." And Red's like, "Nope." <laughs> Sorry, Scarlet. I got, I got your number, and you're awful. But for some reason, I love you. Yeah. But you're awful. You're not worth three hundred. Get the fuck out. And she's like, "Oh." Fine, and she leaves, but then she runs into uh, her younger sister, Sue Ellen's fiance. Yeah, who is like, once I get on my feet and I make some money, I'm gonna marry. I'm gonna marry your sister. Um, what's his name? Frank. Kennedy. Frank. Yeah. And he's like, look, I got a store, and she's like, well, how come you? We have all this pine. Why aren't you selling? Wood for reconstruction purposes, and he's like, I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe and, I could, yeah. And then, just like any good sister does, she dupes him <laughs> into marrying her by telling him that Sue Ellen got tired of waiting and married someone else. This is this is our lead protagonist, ladies and gentlemen. He stole um, her own sister's man for financial For money, gain. yeah. And Frank apparently, I mean, he, he doesn't even bother to check in with Sue Ellen about any of this. Like, this is all decided on the street talking to Scarlet in this one conversation. Uh-huh. So then um, Scarlet is attacked while driving what am I missing something no you're right yeah she's she's, she's attacked while going through a shanty town yeah and Frank Ashley and Rhett and several other accomplices uh, accomplices uh, they're not gonna stand for that how dare they you know chivalry uh, gallantry yeah we're gonna go into that shanty town and we're gonna we're gonna beat people up <laughs> Now, here is the one one of the things that uh, differs from the book. You want to know what that difference is, Steve? What is it? What is it? You're not going to like it. Oh, great. 
Frank, Ashley, Rhett, and the several other accomplices got accomplices. Mm -hmm. In the book, they're all members of the clan. (gasps) Really? Mm Hmm. Funny how they didn't leave that in the movie. That's weird. I know. Kind of makes you not want to watch the movie anymore (laughs) if you found out they're all in the clan. Hmm. Uh, but when they do this, um, Frank dies. Aww. So, husband number two, gone. Sayonara, Frank. <laughs> yeah, bye, Frank. Thanks for coming. <laughs> but there's some other things that happened. Oh, no, the other thing was, um, she becomes really gung-ho at the, uh, the lumber business. Yeah. And really cutthroat. And once again, we're talking about the absolute hookspot that this movie has where she is going to hire prisoners to do fr- uh, like free labor or something she's paying paying the jailer to do the labor at the at the at the shop yeah. at the, 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 mill. the mill yeah and frank and ashley got a problem with it cuz it's like we don't we don't do this not to we don't do this not to white people I, I, not to yeah that's literally what it comes down to it's like you know, hire you know at least pay pay free free black people, and she's like, no, things were easier when we had slaves, <laughs> and he's like, well, this isn't right. You don't do this to white people. <laughs> he's like, oh well, you did it to slaves too when there were still slaves, and he's like, yeah, but I didn't like it. Fuck you, movie. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Ashley literally said this horseshit. Well, as soon as my dad died, I was gonna free him. Sure yeah, you that's were, Ashley. What they all said. That's why you went to war, right? <laughs> yeah. That's what they all said. <laughs> and and yet somehow there were still like five million slaves. <laughs> we were going to free them, I swear. <sighs> so uh, Frank, has they have a funeral for Frank. It's barely over. And Rhett aggressively proposes to Scarlet. <laughs> yeah, he he basically corners her in a room. And says, uh, marry me and say yes. And she's like, Gah. say yes. Yes? Do you mean that? Yes? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, because he's rich somehow. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it's, it's implied that he got rich somehow as a result of his blockade running. Mm-hmm. You know, like there there were goods that the the Yankees didn't find that he was somehow able to get his hands on and yeah, profit or from or something. Like yeah, war profiteer. Yeah, great. Let's add that into the mix. <laughs> the, too. That, the, the great romantic hero of American cinema, <laughs> ruthless slavery apologizing uh-huh. war profiteer Rhett Butler. <laughs> They get married, and Rhett puts a baby in her. Yep. Um, and that baby is a girl, and it gets the dumbest name ever, Bonnie Blue. Mm-hmm. Bonnie Blue. Like the flag. Let's say the full name, shall we? Bonnie Blue Butler. Butler. <laughs> Triple B. Shit. He has two color names in his family, Scarlet and Blue. <laughs> um, and, but uh, Scarlet, ever the sensitive one, uh, uh, and who is still pining for Ashley for whatever reason, 
um, it thinks that the baby is ruining her fi- has ruined her figure. Yeah. And tells Rhett, you know what? I, I no more dickings. I'm sorry. We're done. We're done with the dickings. In fact, we're not even going to share a bed anymore. Isn't that great? <laughs> Aren't you glad you <laughs> married me, Rhett? <laughs> Uh, the movie's still going. Yeah, it's still going, everybody. One day. <laughs> Scarlett and Ashley are seen um, embracing because it's something they do whenever they wind up alone together. They can't help each other. They always wind up hugging and smooching and doing whatever else. And um, who sees them? It's Ashley's sister. Ashley's India. sister, yeah. And, um, and rumor and gets she around. really hates Scarlet. Yeah. She really hates Scarlet for some reason. I don't know why anyone would hate this selfish little bitch. <laughs> don't know what her problem is. <laughs> and she starts she starts spreading rumors about her, and it's, oh no. And Rhett, that is, I think it's the same night he's heard the rumors, um, forces Scarlet to go to Ashley's birthday party. Yeah, no, Melanie's birthday party. Is it Melanie's yeah, birthday party? No, yeah. no, it okay. is Ashley. Yeah, no, right. it is it for is, Ashley. It's Ashley's birthday. You're right. Yeah. And, um, of course, Melanie, being perfect, refuses to, is, you know, will not believe anything bad of her sister-in-law. <laughs> She's like, I don't believe that. I'm perfect in every single way. Too perfect to live to the end of this movie. Oops, sorry. Spoilers, oh, everybody. No. <laughs> um... <laughs> And Melanie stands by Scarlet's side so that everyone uh, thinks uh, that all the gossip is not is false. Rhett doesn't think the gossip is false. Rhett's got had her number for the entire... Rhett's been jealous of Ashley since the very beginning because every other word that comes out of Scarlet's mouth this entire movie has been about Ashley. <laughs> and Rhett has um, caught on. <laughs> yeah, and he gets super drunk. I don't want to recap this scene, Steve. Well, he... <laughs> I, we have to. I know we have to. Gets, but am I also supposed to try to make it fucking funny? How am I supposed to make this funny, Steve? It's, it's not really possible, man. It's possible. I'll figure yeah. out a way. Let me let me roll my, my comedy sleeves up. Okay, here we go. All right. He gets really drunk. He, he gives Scarlet... It's late at night. He gives Scarlet a drink. And he's like, I know about you and Ashley and about how you always like them. You know what? I bet if I crushed your head like a walnut, you'd forget all about Ashley and all my problems would be over. I'm, I wish I was exaggerating, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, but he literally puts the hands on the side of his head. He says things like, I could tear you to pieces and all this other stuff. And she's like, you don't ever touch me. <laughs> you, I, what was the rule? Remember, no more dickings. It's been like five years. We've been dicking free. Everything's fine. And she tries to leave. And Rhett grabs her, forces a kiss on her, takes her upstairs for some good old-fashioned marital rape. Yep. Me, Tarzan, you, Jane. <laughs> and the worst part about it is is that they show him, carry, her, him carrying her up the stairs. She's protesting. And we dissolve cut to... Her looking satisfied and happy in bed. Yep, singing. She's singing singing in bed the next morning. She's like, I was wrong. You know what? You know what I dig? Rape. That's all I needed. (laughs) That's all a girl needs. Was for my husband to rape me. And I'm happy now. Because remember, guys, 
when a woman says no, she really means yes, and she'll always wake up happy the next morning. Fuck you, movie! God damn it! And it gets even worse from there, in my opinion, because <laughs> after they establish that Scarlet is super happy with what happened, yeah. Rhett comes mm-hmm. in and actually yeah. apologizes. Apologizes and says, and, "I was drunk. I'm yeah. sorry for last night." And she gets uh-huh. mad at him for apologizing. Yeah, <laughs> and he even offers Scarlett a divorce. Yeah, he says, I'll give you a divorce, and she said, "No, that would be a disgrace." <laughs> <sighs> we're we're getting really close, guys. I can it's, smell the. It's end. almost here. There's only two or three more shocking tragedies to go, and then the movie's over. <laughs> so Rhett um, goes to London. Um, and he comes back, and uh, Scarlet tries to reconcile with him, but I think he's pretty much done yeah. for the most part. Yeah. Um, but she tells him, "Hey, guess what? That dicking put another baby inside of me." Um, uh, but then they start arguing, and <laughs> she falls down a flight of stairs and miscarries. Yep. <laughs> right after Rhett says, basically, I hope you fall down the stairs. Which means God is listening to Rhett. <laughs> He's guy who, Jesus was up there going, seriously? All right. All right. We hate her, too. She's <laughs> yeah. awful. Yeah. Uh, and so um, Scarlet, once again, remember, this is olden times. It takes a long time to recover from anything. She's recovering. They're in the backyard. They're bratty kid. Is riding a pony. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh at this part, but I. <laughs> you take what you can get. I really don't. I, I've reached a point where I don't care anymore, Steve. You, guess, you <laughs> reach a, a point of giddy delirium when you get this deep into the film. <laughs> it's like you've been deprived of oxygen. She's, she gets on the horse, she rides away, and Rhett's like, hey, come back here. And Scarlet goes, oh, just like father. And then she goes, oh no, just like father, because now we can drop clairvoyant into the mix. (laughs) Because their dumbass kid tries to jump a little thing with the pony. The pony um, stops short and hits the thing. The kid flies over the reins and hits the obstacle. And now Bonnie Blue has died. Yes, their child has died. (laughs) I'm so sorry. This is what this movie's done to me. I, I know I should feel bad, but we didn't spend any real time with the child, and uh, the child literally exists just for another form of tragedy exactly. at the end. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and this is also uh, the second time in which a horse has murdered a member of her family. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Rhett goes a little nuts. Yeah, right. Uh, goes a little nuts. He locks himself Melanie in the comes... room with the 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 body of his dead child. Yeah, because he loved his kid. We'll say that much. <laughs> yes. Um, Melanie comes over to their house to comfort them. Um, but she collapses because she's having complications with the pregnancy. Right. Yeah, she was because yeah, they they set it up earlier that after Melanie had her first child, she wasn't supposed to have any more. But That's then right. she decided yeah. to get pregnant again with Ashley just for the uh-huh. hell of it. And uh-huh. surprise, surprise, it was a horrible mistake. So, um, of course, she's dying. 
and uh, she's going to be really nice about it too. Well, of course she is. That's that's Melanie all over. She's nice about everything. And Scarlet uh, comes by and she's like, "Hey, so you're dying, huh? Um, you going to be needing that man after you're gone?" <laughs> And then Scarlet tries to console uh, Ashley, and this is wait. So Ashley, wait. Rhett, Rhett comes home. Rhett's there, right? And yeah, and, he, and and then he realizes that Ashley only ever loved Melanie, right? Right. You're right. Which he never actually loved Scarlet. He only really loved Melanie, which makes perfect sense because who the fuck wouldn't love Melanie? Right. For the love of God. <laughs> Um, and Rhett finally, finally decides, okay, learned my lesson, never fuck crazy. I'm leaving. I'm out. (laughs) I'm out. I'm done. Goodbye. And Scarlet is begging him not to leave because at this point she realizes that Ashley's done. (laughs) <laughs> she can't have Ashley even when Melanie's dead she can't have Ashley <laughs> so all she now has is Rhett remember how I told you that this character doesn't change ding we're almost at the end of the movie no change um, and she's begging him don't go please um, and she tells him I never really loved uh, Ashley but Rhett says that now that Bonnie's death there was no way that we're gonna reconcile um and that's when he delivers the line that everyone else says which is she's like what will i where will i go what will i do and he's like frankly my dear i don't give a fuck fuck you you (laughs) oh you ruined so much my life how am i gonna get this time back Oh my god! And he storms off into the fog, cussing. He punches out a taxi driver. He's like, what have I been doing? What's wrong with me? I'm sorry, that's not what he said. He said, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn, and walks off pimping all the way. Yeah. Just Puts his hat him. on, fades into yep. the fog. Yeah. And, of course, the cue Scarlet crying um, because she didn't get what she wanted and this is like the 900th time that she's cried and um she collapses on the stairs she doesn't know what she's gonna do but then she remembers oh yeah I've got that house Tara I'll go back to Tara and and, and I'll get Rhett back somehow because tomorrow is another day implication this never ends <laughs> this never ends this keeps going like this after the movie's over yep. Where she pursues this man like a psychopath. <laughs> Forever. So, the end. So just, the end. So just think about it's that. It's the end of movies. <laughs> and America died. <laughs> the end. Steve. Steve. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here, man. You, I'm here. You, you, can't, you can't play with me this time. No, no joke response when I ask you this question. Okay. Okay? okay, or I will fly all the way out there and murder you. <laughs> will you will, will you put me on a horse and then have the horse throw me before jumping an obstacle? <laughs> I'll tie you up, stick you on there, dress you up like Bonnie Blue <laughs> in the same scene. Uh, Steve, yes. What are your th- how how do you feel about 
Gone with the Wind. I didn't like it. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. I can sleep now. I can uh, sleep. I, I, I mean, <sighs> we were... It's one of those movies. I think this is probably the third or fourth time I've watched it all the way through in my entire life, mm-hmm. and my my appreciation of it has has lessened each time. And Every time you watch it, yeah, and this time it really just fell off a cliff because all the other <laughs> all the other because the, the, there's there's so much surrounding this movie. This movie is occupies such a, a prestigious place in like the American film canon. Which has been slipping. Oh, it, yes. Every every decade, it slips further and further into obscurity. Absolutely, it, it's it's amount of critical appreciation has really dropped over the last thirty or forty mm-hmm. years. But but in the popular consciousness, it's still thought of as like one of those great American films, like oh, Gone with the Wind, you know, the great uh, the great American epic. And mm-hmm. and so for a long time, when I would think about it or when I would watch it, I would see that movie and. And I would see, you know, the 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 scope and the sweep of it and the grandeur. And there, and you said that there are some of the special effects that really don't hold up, and there are some really odd shots that look like rushed sort of inserts just because they they yeah. they forgot to shoot some coverage, and they were like, "Fuck!" Well, remember, they were supposed to be filming. This was supposed to be taking place in Atlanta, and they were filming it in California. Right. Yeah. And there were, there was, except for a couple of of scenes that that do look like. Uh, exteriors. It seems like almost all of it was shot on a soundstage, including most of the supposedly exterior shots. Um, but so it, it looms very large, and it has this great reputation. And there are a few shots, even even with the sort of you know hit and miss special effects by today's standards, that I do think deserve to be recognized just surely for their cinematography and their composition. Like that famous not me, <laughs> like that famous shot of I'm going to use this. I'm going to use this metaphor again. Just because you see a peanut in poop doesn't mean you're going to eat <laughs> That's it. That's exactly right. I'm not. I, I, I'm not. I, I, my my defense of the film. For for this reason is very limited. You heard it here first. Steve Shives is defending. It's very gone with the wind. It's <laughs> man, I, I, I sing song that I didn't like it. Okay, no, but, but there is that like there. For instance, the the famous probably it's probably the most famous visual shot from the film that that endless pullback to the 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 wounded in the streets of Atlanta mm-hmm. when Scarlet is when Scarlet comes to try and bring the doctor when Scarlet uh, realizes that doing this is icky and she doesn't want to do it yeah it, but we we kind of we glossed over that in in the in the plot synopsis she's aiding a doctor who's tending to the wounded and she just gets icked out and she says I don't want to be surrounded by dead men anymore goodbye yeah she basically says the hell with this and leaves um, yeah. And then she comes back to find that same doctor later when Melanie's having the baby, and she she actually tries to to get him to leave the thousands of wounded soldiers to yeah. come help deliver the baby, and he looks at her like mm-hmm. she's got like three heads. He's like, "Are you fucking crazy? <laughs> Look around you. There's, there's... I don't care about you and your white people problems. Right. I have these white people problems right now. There's wounded people as far as the eye can see in every direction. Now, I've got to go saw this guy's leg off. Right. <laughs> so that that shot, I think, is is a really striking shot, but. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, often when I when you consider movies like this, like I try really hard when I when I put my movie critic hat on to to try and consider the movie as as a movie, and I try not to 
bring my own baggage to it too much or or put too much on it as a result of like you know the historical context or things but gone with the wind is one of yeah. those movies like birth of a nation where it's almost impossible to do that it is impossible to watch this movie today in the united states in 2015 and not see it as the the uh the most well the the most widely seen and the fullest expression of the southern lost cause propaganda you know mm-hmm. there's this whole school of thought that is that's completely rejected by mainstream historians but is still pushed by by people who are apologists for the confederacy that that was started in the years after the civil war by former mm-hmm. confederate generals and then people sort of took it up from there that says well the the southern cause was noble because the southern people were brave and gallant sound familiar and mm-hmm. and uh the sla- slavery was a benign institution and most slaveholders yeah. most slaveholders treated their slaves well and and you know black folks were actually better off as slaves than they were during reconstruction mm-hmm. and and this this and it's revisionist history it's the most blatant and unfortunately successful campaign of revisionist history in american history to convince people that the civil war was about something other than white people defending their right to own slaves and that the Mm -hmm. southern culture southern civilization was somehow this beautiful thing and it's a shame that it wasn't preserved and that's even in the movie the civil war is a thing that happened yeah they don't mention the reasons behind it at no point does any person say you know what they want us to give up their slaves we got to go fight them they're just saying the yankees are starting a war and we're gonna go whoop them That's it. That's that's as deep as they get into the Civil War. And it is a thing that happens. And the really troubling part when when you look at the movie and you read it with that eye toward the the lost cause mentality, the lost cause themes that are in it that are everywhere in it is one of the characters that that does have an arc is Rhett. And Rhett's arc mm-hmm. takes him from being sensible and skeptical about the war, being the only guy in the room who says, hey, wait a minute, we can't go to war with the North. They're going to kill us. You're idiots. How dare... There's only one cause I care about, and that's Rhett. Yeah, and, and, and that's... Yeah, and he, yeah, he's being selfish. He's being like, I don't care about you people. But, but he's also... T- he's talking sense to them. He's saying, look... Uh, if you start a war with the North, they're going to murder you because you're outnumbered, yeah. you're outgunned, you don't have any industry. The North is going to slaughter you, you idiots. Mm-hmm. Just because you guys think you're superior doesn't mean you are. Yeah, and Rhett is right. But yeah. but then he moves from that position to a pro-Southern position. His his arc mm-hmm. takes him in the wrong direction. And and I think it's it's part of what makes this movie so troubling to watch today is the fact that the 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 male lead the the sort of one of the two protagonists of the film essentially moves morally in the wrong direction well it's more than just that look at ashley ashley who is supposed to be the 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 ultimate gentleman there's a scene at the barbecue where they're looking off out of their patio and all of these people in fine dresses and goofing around in the background having fun on this estate he turns to his wife and he goes oh i hope there isn't a war but if there is one i'm going to fight for it for i love uh this basically i love our lifestyle Mm -hmm. and i love the way we live and it'd be a shame to lose it fuck you yeah how many pe- how on the backs of how many slaves are you basing you this whole lifestyle on but they're not going to address that in this movie no. because that's one of those little icky sticking points 
that they don't want you to consider while watching it. And you know, we we talk about like how selfish Scarlet is, and rightfully so, because she is a completely mm-hmm. selfish character who doesn't really grow at all throughout the course of this four-hour movie. But nope. but really, all of the white Southern characters are exactly the same. After when we get to that that uh, post-war part of the film where everything's destroyed, uh, they do occasionally express regret. But it's always from a purely selfish standpoint. There's never, mm-hmm. there's never a hint. Ashley comes the closest, but even he never gets to that point where he says, "You know, we brought this on ourselves. This is yeah. our fault. We, we, we shouldn't. We were too proud. We were too brutal. We, sh- we were too uh, attached to slavery. Like we, we brought this on ourselves." He, he, he says, mm-hmm. he says, "I wish I miss the way things were." He says, yeah. I, "I, I miss, you know." The, He's pining for that 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 life that he doesn't have anymore. But there's never mm-hmm. any character that has the the self awareness to say, you know, we are reaping what we have sown. And if there was even one voice in this movie that said that, it would have at least redeemed it that much. It would have at least shown that mm-hmm. there, that someone had some kind of a modern sensibility to say, oh my god, this is what has happened to us because of what we have done. You know, we're not victims yeah. here. No, the the whole point of the movie is, oh, the North did this to us, and the North are faceless aggressors. Yeah, we never, we never, we only see one um, Union soldier who they assume is a a uh, a uh, deserter. Yeah, that comes into Terra at one point after the after the war is over, and Scarlet shoots him. Yeah, and he's a scummy, gross dude who's probably got rape on his mind or whatever. And she suits him dead. That's the only, uh, aside from the captain that's holding Rhett at the prison, who's mostly interested in him in gambling and trying to find out where his money is, there are no Northerners that are presented as being as being trustworthy or good. And in point of fact, when there's a scene where she's, after she walks out of the prison, she's walking down the streets of Atlanta, where they're supposed to be highlighting how far Atlanta has fall, fallen, because there are black people wearing nice clothes <gasps> and smiling on the street and laughing. We pass by a politician who is promising everyone 40 acres and a mule, and they literally dumb in, uh, dub in some of the dumbest-sounding voices for the black people who are watching them as if they're gullible rubes mm-hmm. who are now being taken advantage by the northern by the northern people who freed them. Yeah. And he even says it, we'll give, you 40, we'll give you 40 acres and a mule and the vote. And that is expressed as being all of this is bad. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Everything else before that was good. And there is no other way to watch this movie. I wanted to say, well, it's a product of its time. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. There was there were people who were angry about this movie when it came Absolutely. out. Absolutely. There were plenty of groups that went, "Wow, this isn't cool." There are a lot there were a lot of of uh uh African American uh coalitions that came out uh, that came out against this film saying that it was you know, basically you're you're cleaning you're you're sanitizing Southern culture, pre pre Civil War Southern culture, and you're turning it turning it into something that it's not. This this movie is more than just a work of fiction; it's a work of fantasy, and I think that's probably one of the probably one of the most galling things about it because they they took something that actually happened, um, stripped it of any realism, and turned it into a fantasy for I'm not going to say for some people to want to pretend like that was the that was his thing. I quite honestly I don't know why this movie was made other than the book was really yeah. popular. 
I mean, I think that was pretty much it. The book was a huge success, and yeah. and a lot of people don't realize. I mean, the book was only published a few years before the movie came out. I mean, the three. I think it was three. Yeah, years. it's not like I. For some reason, when I first became familiar with the movie, like I, I got the impression that it was like a classic American novel, and then Gone with the Wind was like the long-awaited adaptation. And it, that's not the way it was. The book was a modern book, and it was a huge blockbuster. And then the movie came very soon after that. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's I, again, it's it's the the culmination of the lost cause revisionism that said all oh, the yeah. south it's 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 you know if you think about it it's kind of sad what happened to the south and i just don't think i i just i know there are still some people in this country that that think that way but yeah. i don't think that's a legitimate point of view I don't mm-hmm. think you can say that you believe in equality and you believe in civil rights and you believe in the progress that has been made in this country in terms of race relations so far and still say that it's a legitimate point of view to sympathize with the South and to yeah. romanticize it as shamelessly as this movie does. You know? I mean, how do you I mean, what if what if England made a movie that portrayed the colonies as being a bustling utopia? Where everyone was happy, except for a few dirty <laughs> revolutionaries right. who wanted to, you know, they're like, well, we weren't doing anything. We weren't despotic, um, classist assholes who were <laughs> forcing taxes and, 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 and servitude on an entire population of people. And they made this kind of, you know, fluffy sanitized version of what what the what the revolution was about and painted the revolutionaries as 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 evil faceless people yeah. we'd be up in arms about it but for some reason gone with the wind gets a free pass because uh um because hollywood said to i don't know yeah it's it's a mark of of how far we still have to come and if anybody wants to have a really easy to understand, a really obvious example of why American culture is still racist to a very large and very significant degree, it's the fact that Gone with the Wind, even though it has come down in terms of its appreciation, uh, the fact that Gone with the Wind isn't considered in the same category as Birth of a Nation. Because it's yeah. really not that different. It's the same sort of well. The Southerners, all the southern. You talk about how all the all the Northerners are basically villains. Uh, all the Southerners are brave survivors, and they're just yes, they lament the loss of their world, but they're survivors. They're doing the best they can. And even when Scarlet is shown to be doing questionable things, like hiring prisoners to work at her mill so they don't have to pay them anything, it's sort of. It, mm-hmm. It's sort of implicitly excused as, oh, but she's just doing what she has to do to survive. You know, she's just trying to make to make a, a new living in in this new world that was forced on her. It's always presented as, well, they're what what a what a stalwart, resilient people they are. You know. Mm-hmm. So, Steve, mm-hmm. would you recommend um, Gone with the Wind? No, I wouldn't. It's it, 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 <laughs> it, it, here's the thing. What one of the what we didn't talk about, and we we've talked we've mentioned it a few times, but what we didn't talk about during our our uh, review here at the end is, I mean, I, this this movie is four fucking hours long. If this it's, movie, it's if this movie yeah. was two hours long and still had the same problems, but also still occupied the same sort of lofty perch in American cinema, I might say just watch it so you can say you've seen it. 
you know, just so you can. I'm not even going to tell people. But I, well, I'm neither am I because if you if you combine all of the problems that we've just been talking about that it has, and all the all the things that mm-hmm. are offensive about it, and, and frankly embarrassing about it, if we look at it yeah. from a modern lens, uh, and the fact that it's so incredibly long and repetitive and boring through many many mm-hmm. long stretches. Uh, and it, I mean, it, it ultimately doesn't really go anywhere. It's invested in this character of Scarlet who who grows not an inch, doesn't learn anything. Mm-hmm. No, I don't recommend people see it. I think it's it's one of those movies that is really famous and really revered that doesn't deserve to be, and that we yeah. should just we we should be we, we should be focusing on. I mean, look, this movie came out in 1939, which is generally yeah. considered to be the greatest single year in the history of American cinema. And there were Casablanca, yeah, and uh, uh, Stagecoach, Wizard, Wizard of, Oz. of Oz, yeah. <laughs> uh, there were so many great films that came out the same year as, as this film. So we there, we have other options. <laughs> we don't have to, to yeah, re- keep revering Gone with the Wind. So no, I don't <laughs> I, I don't recommend it. Neither do I, for the same reasons and more. So that's it. <laughs> Fuck this movie. Don't go see Gone with the Wind, not even on a dare. Not even on a bet. Lose the bet on purpose if you make that bet. <laughs> So let's recommend something that'll make us feel better. Steve, what are you going to recommend? <laughs> I'm actually going to recommend a a much shorter movie and a much uh, less critically renowned movie, but it's always been kind of a favorite of mine. It also takes place in the sort of the, the tail end of the Civil War kind of period. And it's a Clint Eastwood movie called The Beguiled uh, okay. that was directed by Don Siegel, who was a great famous collaborator with Clint. And The Beguiled is the story of a uh, a Yankee soldier played by Clint who is injured and uh, finds himself at a southern plantation toward the end of the war that is populated by women. Like, although the women are, are still home and the men have all gone off to fight the war. Uh, and he is he's taken in and sort of nursed back to health. And then the various women begin to compete with each other for his attentions and his affections because as, as his health comes back to him they realize he's like this handsome strapping young man you know Clint Eastwood circa 1970 and it just it becomes this really kind of uh, psychological thriller type of movie uh, about the various weird torments that go on and the little rivalries and betrayals that happen on on this plantation caused by the this mysterious visitor played by Clint Eastwood. So uh, it's not a great movie, but it is a good movie, and it's 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 always been very compelling to me since the first time I saw it, uh, and a much more interesting and nuanced <laughs> exploration of sort of that Southern culture at the tail end of of the Civil War, uh, with a much darker edge to it so that's my recommendation the beguiled great i hate movies now <laughs> i don't i'm not gonna go see the beguiled i'm not fuck, i don't care stupid movie i guess i have to recommend something right well i mean it, if you I, i'm not gonna force you to i mean it's kind of your show you, well, yeah, you're twisting my arm oh thanks you have to recommend something <laughs> i'll recommend mississippi burning how about there that there you go <laughs> Okay, so, you know, my big complaints about how this movie, uh, Gone with the Wind, is not much more than a fantasy. How about I just go do a 180 and uh, (laughs) do the South uncomfortably realistically? Yeah. (laughs) 
if you have not seen it, Mississippi Burning, Burning is a movie from uh, Alan Parker, um, which is loosely based on the FBI investigation into the murders of uh, three civil rights uh, workers um, in Mississippi. They were trying to get um, blacks registered to vote. And the Klan really didn't like that. <laughs> they didn't. They did not want black people to vote. And so these guys were murdered. So uh, the FBI opened up an investigation. And um, it's a it's a great drama. It has a great script. But more importantly, it features two of my favorite actors in the entire world, giving what may be one of them giving one of his best performances of his career, and that's Gene Hackman. Mm-hmm. Um who's a southern FBI agent who kind of knows his way around the south knows the type of people that he that he's going to have to deal with and he's kind of been stuck with this um FBI agent from the north who's very um forthright and very idealistic and truly does believe in um getting people registered to vote and and um is very upset at the fact that these these kids have more than likely been murdered and that more than likely, they've been murdered by uh, the police, yeah. by members of the very police um, in the town that they're in. And that guy is played by Willem Dafoe. And um, it's a fantastic drama. And it treats things fairly straightforward and very realistically, especially the level of poverty that black people were living in at that time, um, which was... You know, a lot of people don't think that we had we had poverty in our country in the 1960s, like in third world countries. We did. <laughs> in fact, I would be hard pressed to think that we don't. In some parts of the country, we just don't. We choose not to look yeah. at it. Um, this is an emotional gut punch of a film. It kind of has a happy ending, <laughs> but not nearly as happy an ending as you want. What you want is for Gene Hackman to just take out guns and start shooting people. That's what I wanted at the end of the movie, but that. That is not what happens. I was going to recommend 12 Years a Slave, which is a movie that takes place uh, kind of in the same time period as Gone with the Wind. I don't think I need to recommend that movie because I'm fairly certain everyone has seen it. (laughs) And if you haven't seen it, see it. Um, Just be warned, it is a difficult movie to watch. And um, there were a lot of people that were, you know, once again... The same people who probably love Gone with the Wind came out when 12 Years a Slave came out and started saying, well, this is inaccurate yeah. because the X, Y, and Z and blah, blah, blah. Which to me means go see it five times. Exactly. <laughs> go, you know, go see it five more times uh, to see it. And also go see Mississippi Burning. So that's what I'm going to recommend. There. Now we got to do the ending Good parts. Good job. Hey, guys. Guess what? Did you disagree with our review of Gone with the Wind? What's wrong with you? <laughs> if you did, that's fine. We are not arbiters of taste or intelligence. If you like Gone with the Wind because it was a movie that you and your grandma could watch at Easter time, awesome. I'm not trying to take your grandma away from you. I'm not a monster like the people in this movie were. <laughs> but if you disagreed with us, let us know. If you agreed with us, let us know. If you have a movie that you would like to, like to recommend to us to watch, Please let us know that too. Just remember, um, we kind of are looking for culturally significant films, at least pop culturally significant films. Things that people reference, things that people may or may not have seen. Gone with the Wind is a good example. 
Gone with the Wind. Everyone has heard of Gone with the Wind. I don't know how many modern people have actually managed to sit down and watch the entire damn thing, to be quite yeah. honest. Um, but it, uh, Gone with the Wind is hard to escape if you're a, a, a movie buff like like Steve and I are. So if you have a movie like that, let us know. You can go to the uh, Let Me Listen podcast uh, website and go to the contact page and send us an email. Um, that's www.letmelistenpodcast.com. So, until next time, this has been Jason Harding. And Steve Shives. And go see a movie this week. But Jason, where will I go? What will I do? You're going to make me say it. (laughs) Well, you have options, Scarlet. There are plenty of things you can do. I'm sure you're a fine young woman. There's always prostitution. I think you'd make a fantastic whore. In fact, as soon as I leave this door, I'm going to tell these five people that there's a fantastic whore that lives in that building that's willing to do things cheap. Ass things. <laughs> you know you know, you know what I mean? Red, what are you talking about? Yeah, that's, a, that's what I'm going to do. Hey, Charlie! Yeah, me and Red are broken up. Remember that thing you wanted to do to her face? I'm sure she'll be up for it if you got the money. That's how this movie should have ended. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. Late Seating is a Lemmy Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Music by Kevin McLeod. Produced by Jason Harding. You can find more Lemmy Listen podcasts at our website at www.lemmylistenpodcasts.com. You can also find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes under Lemmy Listen. Please like and leave a review. And thanks for listening.